What is going on? My name is Taylor, and this podcast is called Who Knows, a podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry, we are just as lost as you are. Y'all, the fact that these eyes are open and this mouth is talking after that wild and nonstop vacation I just went on, that is a miracle. But seriously, I had a great time. I did it. I did it. I actually got on a plane, went to theme parks, allowed myself to put my phone away and put my work away and just devote 100% of my time and attention to the joy of being with my family. It was so beautiful and wonderful. It was so great to see all of them and I already want to do it again. But I will say one thing, I'm never going to a theme park in July ever again. So crowded. I'm glad that I was mostly focused on just being with the kids and didn't care at all about getting anything done at the parks because it was just crazy crowded. So many people, so many lines, but overall, it was a really, really great time and I'm so glad in so many ways that I did it. I seriously miss my family already. I basically started crying the moment I got home, if I'm being honest, Um, but I'm hoping that I will never, ever have to go that long without seeing all of them again. I don't want to go that long without seeing all of them ever again. World, get it together. Let's try not, you know, let's try not to make something this catastrophic happen again, please. Uh, I love my family. This vacation, going back into vacation, was a success. Facing fears happened. It went well. And I'm super glad to be back at work. I am a little tired. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. There was a lot of yelling after children for like six days straight. So I'm a little low energy. Um, But I'm seriously glad to be back here. Um, It's episode six already. How is that real? It's really awesome. But how is it real? Uh, And this is a great one. And I'm really excited to get it started. But before we do, I want to give a big thank you to a few more of our wonderful, fantastical, magical, beautiful Indiegogo contributors who have made this season possible. You. I'm talking to you. You did it. And they are helping launch Who Knows into a new and exciting future that I'm so excited to be here for. Um, So today I'm saying thank you to Heather K, Fran L, Katie O, and Eric H. You are all the reason I'm here today and happy to be here today and will hopefully be here for years to come in many amazing ways. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Still have the energy to sing. That's always a good sign. All right, so if you've been with us all season long, you know what time it is. It is time for our topic breakdown, where we hear from the mind of a mental health professional about the subject of this week's episode. To fully understand the emotions behind any subject, I think it's important to consult the professionals. While conversations like the ones on our show are valuable and important in so many ways, to gain the best insight on mental health, therapists are here to help. And our topic for this episode is sobriety. I chose this topic because I really want to learn more about it. I don't have a lot of experience with this one outside of a few people who I've known that have had a problem and are now sober and 
that's it. They don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, or I've seen, you know, the stuff that we see in the media, like celebrities in rehab or hopeless family members or, you know, people that just can't get clean. And it's just like, I feel like it's a hidden thing. It's touchy. It's an over and done with open and shut topic. But when people are turning to substances and abusing them, there's got to be a mental health conversation to be had there, right? It might not be an easy one, but I think it's worth it if it's going to help people. And there has got to be more to the story around sobriety that we aren't hearing about that's being overshadowed by how scary addiction can be. Both topics are important, like the addiction part, the, the sobriety part. I think it all needs to be talked about. But like I said, I'm still learning a lot about this. And lucky for us, we have a great conversation coming up where we're all going to learn a lot. And right now, we get to hear from Jessica, our resident therapist, about some of the professional research and information on this topic. She puts this stuff together, and it's always amazing. I love it so much. So here's Jessica Sheriff to help us break down the topic of sobriety. In my research for inspiration for this week's topic breakdown, I noticed that the majority of discussions regarding sobriety focus on the rock bottom narrative of addiction. This narrative is typically when someone who struggles with substance use disorder or any type of addiction reaches a breaking point in their illness where sobriety is the only option for treatment. This discussion and this narrative are of course so important, especially considering the spike in alcohol consumption, drug use, and thoughts of suicide across the U.S. during the pandemic. According to the United Press International, drug abuse and suicide rates increased 170% between 2009 and 2018, However, the spread of COVID-19 has caused sharp increases in these findings. Additional statistics include 81,000 reported drug overdoses in a 12-month period during 2020, becoming the highest ever recorded in a year. Fortunately, it's become easier throughout the pandemic for people to access care for substance use disorders thanks to the increased availability of telemedicine. In addition, it's becoming more common for community-based groups like Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous to meet virtually. And most insurers, including Medicaid, have lifted previous telehealth restrictions on treatment for behavioral health, including substance use disorder. I'd like to widen the conversation around addiction to include those who are quote-unquote functional addicts or successful people using substances as coping mechanisms as well, yet deem themselves not quite sick enough to seek help. Alcohol plays an enormous role in our economy. In the U.S. alone, the alcohol beverage industry is responsible for sustaining more than 4 million jobs and generating almost $70 billion in annual tax revenue. Thus, it really comes as no surprise how dependent our social culture is on alcohol consumption specifically. So it can feel like breaking some sort of social pact to quit drinking, and I don't think it's possible for someone to address their own sobriety without looking at their social circle. In psychology, there is a concept known as confirmation bias, which is fundamentally the tendency to favor information that confirms our existing beliefs. For example, if I convince myself that I don't have an unhealthy relationship with drinking, even though it's negatively impacting my life, I might be constantly searching for reasons that support my argument, aka maintaining friendships with people who likely have the same drinking habits as I do. Hence, by one of the many changes someone who decides to be sober may face is their social circle. But sobriety doesn't have to mean dwelling in shame or isolation. 
but instead challenging a social norm that no longer serves you. In fact, there are many people whose sobriety is not because they can't use substances, but rather prefer not to. This brings me to the Sober Curious movement. For those who may not be familiar with the term Sober Curious, it is a book and a movement written and founded by Ruby Warrington, and it literally means to choose to question or get curious about every impulse, invitation, and expectation to drink versus mindlessly going along with the dominant drinking culture. Unlike sobriety, which is often a lifestyle chosen as a result of alcoholism or substance use disorder, sober curiosity is often defined as having the option to choose or to change your drinking habits for health-focused reasons. The Sober Curious movement has encouraged individuals to recognize the often unhealthy habits that are associated with alcohol, and being sober curious but not fully sober is not usually an option for those with serious alcohol disorders. I know I spoke a lot about alcohol specifically, but becoming sober isn't just about abstaining from your substance of choice, whether it be recreational drugs, alcohol, sex, or social media, sobriety can also be a powerful tool for both personal and social transformation. Jessica is always bringing layers and layers and layers of info and perspective on all of these topics, and I'm so grateful for it. Such a gift. So many things about this topic that I wouldn't have even started to think about. And I hope all of you are learning as much as I am from her this season. It's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jessica, for being here. This is just a small example of what an opportunity to speak with a therapist might be like. If you feel like you might benefit from talking to a mental health professional, don't be afraid to seek one out. They have dedicated their lives to helping you live yours in the best way possible. And there is a therapist out there for you. Huge thank you, as always, to Jessica for breaking it down for us before we get started. I'm so excited and so grateful that she's here. Uh, make sure you follow her over on Instagram at Jessica Sheriff. More great info happening over there. And I'll have her linked in the show notes right now. You can go there. You'll see it along with some great resources for places for you to find your own therapist based on who you are, where you're at. There's lots of links there. Go check them out. They're awesome. Jessica's awesome. How many times can I say awesome? All right, it's episode time. It's episode time. Dun, 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 dun. Who do we hang out with this week? We hung out with Jonathan Timber, also known as Jay Timber or JT, a man who is very, very well known in the Greensboro area where he and I both reside. Listen, this man has his face painted on the side of a building in this city. It is wild. It is gigantic. I'm going to put it on the Instagram when I go take a picture with it. Uh, and he is truly larger than life as an individual. He is creative and advocate and one of the coolest, kindest, and funniest people that I have the pleasure of calling a friend. And what makes him so legendary here in Greensboro, aside from just being a fantastic person, is that he is a killer musician with solo work and his music with others such as Joel Henry, Shelby J, and as part of the Good Watts, he lends such a powerful sound in his vocals on guitar and in percussion. I really feel like there is no tune that he can't capture. He's jazzy, he's rock, and he is 
soulful in all of it and fun and filled with so much story and emotion behind every note if you hear his music you gotta go listen to his music it's gonna be linked you gotta listen to it it's amazing and while he does not leave here today without talking about his passion for music because it is such a huge part of his life the main reason he's here today is to talk to me about his journey to now being two years, one month, and 12 days sober as of the recording of this interview, which was May 13th, 2021. It's more now. You can do the math. Um, but he shares his story of what it took to get him there, the reasons that he became sober, and he helps shed some light on what that journey is like from the perspective of someone who went through it and is sharing their milestones with pride all over the world, here is Jay Timber and I talking about sobriety. JT, you we're in person right now. Yes, I can we're in see person. your face. Yes. We are vaccinated. You might be the first person. You're definitely the first person who I've had on this season. The only person who's going to be on this season that I get to see in person. But you might actually also be the first person to be in my actual studio this area. Is, I'm, I'm thankful to be here and uh, I'm excited to talk. <laughs> that's one thing that I realized over COVID is that I miss talking. I know, right? I was like, I was actually kind of, I woke up this morning and I was like, a person is coming in my house. And we, gonna... and like, literally you knocked on the door and I was like, places, everyone. I was like, somebody is here. This is happening right now. This is not a drill. <laughs> yeah, literally like a human is entering my yes. home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I am so excited to get, a, get the chance to talk to you about not only your journey to sobriety, but just you in general, because mm -hmm. I feel like everything about your story, like when I talk to people about what they do, I try not to be like, oh, you're a musician. And that's like, obviously, that's a really awesome thing about you. And for you, I know it's like literally who Everything, you are. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what is it about music? How did you get into it? Just like how? Because I feel like that the music is obviously a part of why we're here to talk yeah. about what we're here to talk yeah. about today. Yeah. It was an insatiable, passionate appetite. I remember seeing music and watching Michael Jackson and all the greats. My dad was much, much older. And so, you know, I listened to a lot of the Marvin Gaye's and Stevie Wonder's and that was like force fed to me. And I just remember just being moved by it. The way you see a child get excited about music, that's how I want to be forever. That childish wonder. No one, no one's telling you not to dance, not whatever. You're a kid and you could just feel it. And I want to harness that forever. And that's kind of why I just, I couldn't get away from it. I sold cars and I thought I was going to be a basketball player before all that, but it just kept coming back to music, kept coming back. And now it's like, I see how music affects people. And I, I pray, I hope, I whatever you want to call it, to the universe, to God, Yahweh, whoever it is, I hope that I can make people feel the way music makes me feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, of course. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel with what I do. It's like, you know, I'm not just saying all these things and doing all these things just you for care. fun. Yeah, I really give all of the possible shits that yeah, I can. Yeah. Like every shit I have, I give all of it. to what I'm I do. I'm giving all my shit. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been playing? How long have you been a working musician? I've been a working musician since I was 18. I could say that's when I was like, this is where I'm going to make my money. And I was working at a car dealership and I was 
doing the car dealership by day and going to the studio by night and not sleeping. And that's when I knew that it was like a passion. Like I didn't care. I'd rather not sleep and go to the studio. And I was just going there every day and learning and learning. And then eventually stupidly, like three months into the endeavor of music professionally, because I played music my whole life. But when I was like, this is it, I was like, I quit my job. Like at the moment, it was the dumbest thing ever because it was a financially secure job. And, but I was like, I, I feel like I have to do this all the time. And I remember just playing every day and my mom, oh my gosh, and make some money. I was like, no, I got to do this, mom. I'm a musician. And it was that, a whole lot of that. And then I finally started to figure out how to make it my living. And then it was just off to the races and going out on tours. And I wanted to learn every aspect of it. So I was a bus driver. I did security. I did assistant tour managing, whatever. I did merch. I did all that so that I can understand all of it so that when I get to my point, I'll know what everyone's been through and I'm not a dick. Yes. Literally, I could not have said that better myself. That is, in my opinion, with any profession that you're in, the way that you don't become a complete jerk when you are, you know, in the position where you're leading people is by understanding what, what they're going, everyone's going through. Yeah. And not just like, oh, yeah, I did that. Or I've seen you do that when you really care about the thing that you're doing. That's one of the biggest things is knowing every aspect of it. Well, all that's so important because the show doesn't happen without the band getting to the show because of the driver and then the guy setting it up and all that stuff is the band is the band. But it's like it's way bigger. than. Yeah, that, exactly. You know? That is so true. Where in your journey with music did, how do you even ask, what drugs were you on? <laughs> like, I don't how know, do you, that's how, like, that's how, that is exactly and there, how. And this is the reason I wanted to have this conversation is yeah. because I feel like there are, similarly to mental health, there are stigmas and tropes surrounding sobriety and addiction where it's like I have my chip or like the mantras that people say mm -hmm. and like you know the meetings and yeah. and I'm an alcoholic and like all the things that you see in movies yeah but then in the reality like it's nothing like that and and everyone's story is different and when you want to talk about it like the little experiences that I've had interacting with people who have addiction it's either like oh, they can't be helped, or I'm done with them, they're never going to get better, or they just like flat out, they're sober now, and like we're not talking about it anymore, we're never talking about it again, don't bring it up because it's so touchy. And Gotta so, yeah. know where you've been and know where you're going. Yeah, and so I guess, what was the addiction? So for me, initially, it was drinking. That's how it started off, very young. And really, it just blossomed into everything short of like heroin. Like, I didn't like needles. And I knew that, like, there's no, you can't win with heroin. You know what I mean? In my head, I was like, oh, well, I know a bunch of people that do cocaine. I know a bunch of people, you know, so I was like, oh, well, I could do those and get by. No, yeah. you can't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, I've never, this is what I tell people when, when, when I talk about this. It's like, never in my life have I heard anyone be like, you know, when I started doing cocaine, my life really turned around for the better. You know, like, never in my life. So, like, I mean, I would do whatever. Like, I'd. You know, someone had some Xanax. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Because, like, I also had this thing in my head that I wanted to be the party. I wanted everyone to have fun. Mm. I was seeking attention. I wanted everyone to love me. And I wanted, I just wanted all that. Everything that comes with that. I guess fame. I yeah. wanted fame. I wanted all that. And I was willing to, you know, okay, cool. I'll hang out with these people so that they'll like me. And then the, maybe they'll you know, like my music or want to know more about me or whatever. So like it would be 
once the show was over, anything could happen. You know, it was yeah. really like some days I'd do a bunch of Molly. Some days I'd do a bunch of it. It's just kind of whatever. I was an opportunist. And so it sounds like in this willingness to do whatever it took to make it with your music because you loved it so much. It was that and like filling a void within myself yeah. that I... I'm still discovering. I'm like, I'm still unpackaging 15 years of alcohol abuse of myself. It's crazy to now be like, oh, that's why I was doing that. Like, I didn't want to do coke. It's just I was with some people that I deemed important or, you know, that had something that I didn't that I wanted and I wanted to learn how to get that. So, I, oh, well, if this is how I have to talk to them or what I have to do to be around these people, then I'll do it because I want to learn. And I was like, no, now looking back, I'm like, no, that's, that was a terrible way to go about it. You could just be yourself and hopefully, I mean, people are going to like you. People aren't, you can't please everybody and just, yeah. just be yourself. So where did it begin? I'd say it began, I was 13 when I first started like drinking and just partying and hanging out with the older kids and oh, here's a beer, here's a 40, whatever. And it kind of just, Went along is that being a musician at shows all the time. They were at bars. Mm -hmm. So-and-so, you know, I was the young one, so so-and-so would sneak me a beer here or there. You know, I actually talk about it in one of my songs. I was like, long hair, backstage, and a beer on the low. And it's talking about how I'd be at whatever show, and I'd get to drink no matter where I went because I was with certain people. And, yeah, I mean, it started pretty young, and it just kind of slowly snowballed until I became, like, I was like 17, 18, and that's when I started going out. And there was a bar in town that I won't name that they never carded me the first time I went in. And so then I found I was like, oh, okay, so I could do this. I remember buying my first beer, and I was like, they're like, uh, so what do you want? And I was like, uh, domestic. And he's like, no, what type of beer? And I was like, uh, high life, yeah, a, a high life. And that's all I drank because I didn't think to – I just didn't think about what I was going to order, you know. And so that was it. And then I was bringing my friends there and like it was our spot. And then it got bigger and bigger. And then next thing you know, it was just I was just drinking every day and just partying. And I was in the pursuit of the party and not trying to deal with whatever I needed to deal with in my life. And then when did it become more like when did the drugs come in? That was throughout my 20s. Yeah, I'd say like like once I turned 20, like. I'd see people go missing at a party, you know, where everyone, where those people go? I want to go hang out there. I've been there. I remember you know? those parties in college. You know, and, where and are those people? Why, why are they, what's going on in that room? Yeah. They'd open mm -hmm. the door, you'd see a bunch of smoke yeah. and like a cool poster. And you're like, oh, they look like they're having fun in there. <laughs> oh. And me being me and my personality, I make friends with the wall. So it's like I'd work my way into a room and then be like, oh, this is what's going on in here. Okay, well, yeah, I'll try it. And the next thing you know, it was like, I'll do it again tomorrow and again tomorrow. And then I didn't realize I was doing it every day. Then it just would snowball and I'd lose track of days and it was, it was stupid. <laughs> and when, so this is also another, I think maybe it's real, maybe it's a trope, not sure. Did you have your like, and that's when I knew I needed help. And that's when yeah. I like, did you oh, yeah, have that's your rock a, it's, bottom it's moment? The, yeah, yeah. It, that, 
my moment for me was March 25th, 2019. I was at a show. I'd been drinking all day, probably, because I drank all day. But I specifically remember we were at this show, and one of my mentors, after the show had, I went up to congratulate him on the show. I was like, yo, great show, da 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 And they were like, what are you doing, man? Like, I've seen this story before. And it came out of left field because I was just watching a show. I didn't expect to have that conversation. And he was like, he's like, nah, don't, don't do that, man. You don't need to do that. He's like, drink the music. And my brain exploded. I was just like, none of this matters. None of this, me taking the drug. No, I should just drink the music. You know, before you're going out to the bar, you're like, oh, I got to have another beer. No, just drink the music. And I felt like if I, I got good at drinking, as I was saying to you earlier, whatever you dedicate your time to, you're going to get good at it. And then I was like, well, why don't I just take that and shift my energy to something that'll be productive? And I did that, and it's been the best two years and change in my life. So it's like, I wish I would have done it sooner. <laughs> yeah, that's it's kind of interesting because when you said, like, if I just took all that energy and shifted it, obviously, like, I'm not equating, like, what I went through, what I no. do go through to what you Story is a story is a story, yeah. But OCD is that way where it's like I am spending so much time on this thing when I could be doing so many other things. Mm -hmm. And even I think as a kid, like I think about how much I cared about what boys thought of me. If I could go back and just not have a boyfriend every other week when I was a kid, maybe it wasn't that often, but like, it would be so great. Like I would have done so many other things yeah. had I not spent time on um, this thing boys. that I thought was the thing that was making me happy. Yeah. In reality, it's always less is more. Like I've, I've learned that for me, like me like trying to find all these things to to make me feel better or make me be happier it's like well if i just dedicate myself to one thing that'll be more fulfilling in the long run is kind of what i'm telling myself and so far it's it's working out because i've i've done so much especially during covid i thought i, I was afraid that during covid i'd slip up you know cuz it's just so much time like the stress, you know, people were dying all around you. Like I had family members dying. It was just like, but I was like, no, like you've come this far. You, I always think of the thing my dad used to say, how do you eat an elephant? A bite at a time. And no matter how big anything is, the only way you can do it is a day at a time, a bite at a time. So I was like, well, let me just be sober today. That's it. That's all I got to worry about is being sober today. And at the end of the day, Chalk it up as a win, and tomorrow, just do that again. And now I'm starting to apply that with everything in life. Like, I want to be the best, you know, boyfriend. I want to be the best brother. I want to be the best everything friend. Let me focus on just doing that today and being the best at that today. Because eventually I'll look back and I'll see hopefully 70, 80 years of me just diligently working towards the goal of being better every day. And hopefully it'll lead to a great lifetime. And what, when you're thinking about when you're going through those day-to-day -day moments, are there things that you think about that you draw from that are like, that is the driving force to keep me clean. That's the thing that's keeping me from, you know, slipping up. Cause like, especially like during COVID, like I can't even imagine how difficult it was to, when you've got nothing but time and especially for you, like 
you know, there's music that you can work on by yourself and mm-hmm. in the studio, but like, you know, you couldn't go out and play. I'm like, everybody was... knows like, oh, Joy Mongers, he's every, a joy. Like, every... you know, you're always around doing shows. My, and like... my good friend Josh King said, imagine if you were going to therapy every day for like 15 years and then you couldn't. And that's what music is to me. Music is, I realized that I would take all of my emotions from the day and I wouldn't, ah, if I was mad or what, I'd just take it and just be like, let me put it in this jar and I'll open that jar up at showtime. And I'll just take that energy and force it into something that'll eventually become more positive. And that's really kind of what I do with everything now. It's just like focusing of energy. What am I, what am, what, what matters? What is going to make me, help me feel fulfilled at the end of the day? Just do that. And, you know, I had this, well, my dad had this mantra of, you know, as long as you don't hurt yourself, don't hurt anybody else, and you have a good time, you'll have a good life. If you're not lying to yourself, you're not hurting yourself. If you're not lying, you're not hurting anyone else. So all those little things that you could do, it's all small micro adjustments that will eventually lead to a better, bigger picture, I feel like. And when you were, when you had that moment with the person at that show that made you realize that you needed to sober up, was it, you know, obviously that wasn't like the day that like, was that the day? Was it the day that everything changed? It was Was something, it was, I feel like it was, I I think I was getting tired of it because it was expensive. (laughs) And I just, you know, I was like, I don't don't know what it was. I think I, I felt like that day it clicked. It like something like a gear shifted inside of me. I was like, oh, this is it. All right, cool. Now we're focused. And it just, I guess it was a, it was a quick snap. I guess I was lying to myself and telling myself I didn't have a problem. And him saying that made me be like, this guy, like he's a mentor at the time. I'd only known him for like a year. And so for a guy who'd only known me for a year to see that, made me be like, well, what else is everyone else seeing? And then I was also like, why hasn't anyone else said anything? If I've been messing up and you're my friend and you want me to be okay, this is your opportunity to save my life. I was going to die if I kept doing what I was doing. I know it. There was no doubt. I'd, I'd drive. I, I was stupid. It was. I was reckless. It was really reckless. I, I felt bulletproof because I felt like I could go anywhere in Greensboro and anyone, any bar would, whatever, you know, and it was just, it was reckless. And, and I think it was just a snap moment. And I was like, man, I just, this isn't it. I don't want to do this forever. And I was single at the time. And that March 25th, I was like, April 1st is the day that I'm going to decide to quit. So I had, you know, six days, seven days. And I was like, I'm just going to party hard for the next seven days and hang them up. And now looking back, like talking to other people, they're like, did you cold turkey? I was like, yeah, like, but. I have to remember that not everyone's built the same. And some people, it's easy to just be like, no. Some people, it's not. And I was able to just literally pivot and then just keep going straight. And it wasn't even a, I mean, it was tough, but it wasn't because I want to live more than I want anything else. And I want to have a good life more than I want anything else. And I want to be here for my friends when we're old. I can't wait to look around a room and us be all old farts and giggling about the time in 2021 when everyone was hoarding gas. Uh, you know, so like I thought about all that and I was like, none of that matters anymore. Like I think about it all the time. I think about drinking. I think about 
smoking, whatever, doing whatever. And, but I was like, no, like the, the day, the life, life is just so much more beautiful without it. And your reasons why are more powerful than Than anything, any drug. And, you know, and the high that I get from music is the highest high I've ever had. You know, it's just the best feeling ever. And to know that I can summon that, that feels like a superpower. I feel like a Superman, whatever. At any moment, I could start singing and I could change the entire mood of a room. And I know it. And it's like, that's that's cool. So now I'm like, I just want to be the best at that. So that at any moment in life, I just want to be prepared for whatever comes. Because I don't know, maybe one day I'll meet this producer, whatever. I just want to be prepared because that's the thing that I love is music. So let me just be awesome at that. And I say all that and I'm going to call myself out. I don't focus enough energy on it as I should. Now I do focus a ton of energy on it, but like, I feel like I could dig deeper and it's what I love now. I loved drinking then. I loved partying because of everything that came with it. I loved all the attention and you know, there's seasons just like, one day it'll be cold and then it's warm and then it's not cold for a while. That's just how it is. So now I'm in this new season of, I don't feel like I need to do all that stuff because I'm cool without it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the thing too is like, I feel like one thing that we could probably both agree on is when you are pursuing a passion, one of the toughest things to get over honestly is that thought of, I could always be doing more. I could always be doing more because yes, the reality is I could be doing this every second of every day, but, but at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself. I've never been addicted to any substances, but I have been addicted to people's approval mm -hmm. and that's, that's valid for yeah. me, like doing things exactly the right way. And like OCD sometimes feels like, I maybe could imagine what an addiction might feel like where you can't imagine your life without, without it. it. And it's like the only thing that you can see yeah. some days and it gets in the way of everything that I'm doing. And, you know, the only thing that I can do with OCD is just keep working toward a better existence for myself. It's never going to completely go away. Like you even said, like you said, you still think about. Yeah, every, every single day I think about drugs and alcohol every day. I just know I'm better without it. The last six months, seven months has been me blowing my mind by me saying something and then it happening. And that's kind of been my whole career is just, but it's not so much like, you know, oh, the stars aligning. It's no, I had a goal and then I lined myself up with it and then just kind of worked towards it until eventually it happened. And so I'm now I'm just taking that approach with everything, set a goal, go for it. And then you'll get it. And it's not easy. Like, it's not just like, it's like, I mean, some things will come easy. Yeah. It's slow. Like you said, yeah. like it's a bill. It's like, it's not, you have to take it day by day. But which I'd like, rather that because then you, you can see more of it. If it's fast, you miss a bunch. It's a blur. And then you end up looking back and like, man, I forgot all about that. But then you're l losing lessons when you're going fast because you can't see everything with the going slow. Like, I just see it all and I understand better and I'm able to react with my heart. At the end of the day, love is the answer. I don't care what anyone says, what religion you are, da, da, da. 
I believe love is love is love. We all know love. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like if I just put that at the foundation of whatever I'm doing and let it grow from there, everything will be fine. And I honestly, I sometimes think too negatively, realistically where, but like in terms of what you just said, I fully believe that because even in, you know, you loved drinking and partying. And I got real good at yeah, it. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> shifting your energy in That's that all way. It, it's, and it's literally that. I used to play basketball before, you know, when I was in high school. And the, the same amount of dedication I'm putting into music, I was the same way in basketball. My coach, he, he would give me rides home from Kernersville because I went to Bishop McGinnis. And, you know, he'd have to turn off the lights and, JT, let's go. We got to go. And I'm like, let me get another shot in. Let me get another. And, and I was dedicated to it because i wanted to go pro but yeah so i mean it's just it was a passion it was love i cared about it so much that i didn't want to do anything else and then it turned into drinking then it so now it's like whatever i just focus all my love on and all my attention to hopefully it'll come to grow and, and people will feel better under its sleeves and so now when you're moving through life having your sobriety being two years out and you because one of the things i also feel like when you're around people who have become sober, people are very touchy about. So touchy about, and so you're like, that's not something that you feel I don't like care. needs to be a thing. It's people do their thing. Like it'd be like me being touchy about why you eat what you eat. Like who cares? You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like you didn't care when I was drinking. Like I said, everyone everyone's built different. Everyone has a different story. Everyone thinks that when you're recovering, that everyone is recovering the same. And that's not the case. Some like for me, I literally just turned the switch off and then turned this switch on and was able to just shift. Now, mind you, I always think about that switch, but yeah, it, it was one of the weirdest things that I didn't know why people were so like touchy about it. I mean, I get it. I'm thankful. That's sweet. But at the end of the day, like I'm a musician, I'm going to play in bars for the rest right. of my life. So if that were the case, then it would get real annoying forever because everyone would be, oh, no, it's like I'm fine. Like I said, they weren't being touchy-feely about the stuff I was going through while I was drinking as to why I was doing it. I remember I'd be sweating all the time. I I knew I looked like I was on drugs. And no one was like, dude, JT, you got something in your nose. Like, now now that I'm sober, oh, are you okay? And I get it. I get it. But at the same time, it's just, like, frustrating because I could have died. And then it would have been like, oh, I wish I could have said something. You can. If you feel that your friend's going through something and and they're – there's signs. We all are humans and we can check cues out and stuff. You know, it's not prying, but like, hey, man, you good? Are you all right? How's your soul doing? Why does it always feel like that's such a hard thing to because ask? Because it's the most intimate thing ever. And it's scary. It's it is terrifying, terrifying. But it's beautiful because you can open up someone's soul. You could save someone's life by, hey, man, what what's going on, dude? You been okay lately? I, you know, you you can ask any of my, my musician friends. I'll just, every once in a while, I'll hit them up. Hey, man, how you doing? You been good? You, What are you feeling? Like, where's your head at? Where's it? Because we all chose a, a weird profession mm-hmm. that isn't stable or whatever. And it come, the ebbs and flows are so crazy that it's, it's volatile. You know, I, I want to check in on my friends. But, it, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, it's just, it was it was definitely weird to have people be like, Oh, is everything okay? No, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. And do you have any of those moments now where like 
you see somebody who and I mean you've been there so you know the signs. Yeah, yeah, like, no. Have I've, you had those moments in your life where you've had to be that person? To yeah, have that well, talk? see, I'll just and like I said, I'll just literally be like, "Hey, how are you? Are you okay?" You know what I mean? And that's it. And that that leaves my door open. You could come in here and we could talk about it if you want to. No, the door is open. But how are you? You know what I'm saying? And there's been a few people that I've been thankful and, and blessed enough to like help out and go through what they're going through because I went through it. And, you know, a lot of people that I've spoken to about this are like, man, if JT could do it, then I can. Because I was out every night, partying every night. I was very public about everything I was doing. So it was like, I guess them people seeing me make the shift. And that's another reason that I felt like I needed to be public about it. Cause it held me accountable. You know, if I, if I'm, Hey guys, it's been 10 days. Hey guys, it's been 20 days. And me telling people, because then if someone catches me slipping, if they're a good friend, they'll be like, yo, what you doing? But I don't want to disappoint anyone. So I'm like, I just stay the course and, here we are two years later. How does it make you feel to share that journey to sobriety with people like to, you know, put those posts on Instagram that say it's been two years and like share that openly with others? What does it feel like for you? And have you had people message you or say in person like, hey, you're the re- you helped me? I've yeah, it feels it feels I always, you can ask Natalie on the day of, right? It'll be May 1st or whatever first. And I'll be like, I feel like this is stupid. Like, I don't know if I should post this. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? But then I think to myself, what if one person sees it? That's what it changes I their always life. think, always. When I post things, when I read, especially resharing things on, on stories, I see all of this stuff on stories about like, you know, racial injustice and some people don't even see it. And but there might be somebody that one that person sees that it helps and has no idea about it. Or yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. I totally so that now that. now like like I, I didn't even make a post for my twenty fifth month of sobriety because I'd just been busy and I was like ah, but I'm going to because I know it'll keep me in check and hopefully hopefully you know if there's someone out there that sees it it'll hopefully steer them on their path i don't want to say the right path because there's no right there's so many paths but Mm -hmm. on their path so it seems like a lot of what you have been through on this journey has been pretty good and positive and you've been able to make like you said like a pretty fast and successful shift but you do say that you know you you think about it every day and As you continue to go through this journey, what are some of your biggest fears that you feel? What are some things that are that you're still, you know, have rattling around in your head of trying to make peace with? What is what is that like? Do you have those moments? It's weird because I do, but I don't, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm not worried at all. I now know who I am better than I've ever known. I know how strong I am. I know how capable I am. I always look at things and like I'll see a story of someone who is in a way worse position than me and they flourish and whatever they're trying to do. And I'm like, what's my excuse? You know, right now as we're speaking, someone's being told that they'll never walk again and they're going to walk because of determination. So what's my excuse? I'm fully able-bodied man with all of my abilities. What's my excuse? 
and I have these gifts. That's another thing is that the gifts that I have of, of music going back to the, the mural, when I saw that, it made me really just be like, I've got these gifts that people believe in and I don't even believe in them. And I need to believe in them because they obviously mean something. I'm on a wall right now and I'm not scared of any like slip up again. I just know what I got to do now. I mean, like I said, I think about it all the time and I'm like, man, it'd be fun to go have some drinks. But now there's alternative, you know, there's non-alcoholic beers, there's non-alcoholic gin there, you know, so it's like, oh, well, I can go to a show and have a non-alcoholic beer. And that was it. That was the the itch that I was trying to scratch. And and it's just like, yeah, I'm not I'm not really scared or afraid of slipping up just because I know what it's going to take for me to be who I want to be. Yeah. And it seems like maybe even the only one inkling that you said that you had was during COVID when, yeah. I mean, everybody it was just stress and questioning everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, like I said, I mean, I like to go towards the adversity because I know that things on the other side is going to be, you know, greatness. So I was like me being in bars and playing shows is as close to the devil as I could get. That's true. And I used to live with this mentality of, I wanted to be as close to the edge without spinning out and i knew that that's not successful because you'll eventually spin out and now it's like taking that same energy and being close to the edge and not doing it and be like i got it I yeah. could, you could put the devil right here in my face and I'm, I'm i'm good where does that strength come from i mean i know that there are people out there who have relapsed multiple times their family's given up on them the experience that you have had in some senses sounds like it was almost easy for you, but it yeah, is not easy it was for like, everyone. And, and I don't want to say, I don't want to say it was easy. I don't want anyone to think like it was, it's, it's hard. It's, it's annoying for me. I, I, I wish I look at people like, man, why can't I do that? That's dumb that I can't do that and be responsible. But I don't want to say it was easy. But I think I'm tricking myself into thinking it was. It's working for me, you know. I just know what I want to do in my life right now. And I know where I'm at and I know how to do it. I don't want anything to get in the way of that. You hear people say, love yourself. It's like, that's kind of it. Like, I figure if, well, with all that, I wasn't loving myself because I was dealing with, you know, I was dealing with the death of my father. I was dealing with a whole bunch of like, you know, my dad dying. And it's like, in my head, it's like, now I'm the man of the, you know what I mean? Like, and then it was kind of like loving myself. And I understood that people love me, but like life is crazy and we're all going through what we're going through. And sometimes people won't love you and that's fine. And you could, you could just love yourself and get, it and that's kind of how I've just done it for myself it's just been like well no one else has had your back so you got to get your own back I cry I will cry I'm cool with crying and you know that's emotion going out I need to get that energy out of me that's why you're doing it in my mind and so it's like when I have those dark days I'm like sit in it be in it fall apart completely let everything crash it's okay you know like I was saying leaning into the adversity if I'm feeling that way, fall apart because eventually you pick yourself back up and you look at the pieces that are on the ground and which ones do you want to continue with. 
And then I just take that, pick that up and rebuild myself and keep it moving. Yeah. I mean, that takes a lot of strength and I really do commend you for that. And I commend all the people out there that have gone through that because I know there are so many people who deal with this and it's similarly to mental health. It's kind of it's almost invisible in the sense that it's I would I almost would like to say that based on what you have described, that it's not invisible so much as it's ignored. ignored. Because you said that people, you know, you had so many people who could have said something to you and never did. And honestly, it's not maybe it wasn't their place to say anything. That's but like true. if I love someone and they're not doing well, I want to do whatever I can to make them be better. But that's how I work. And we've also, like I said in the beginning, we've created this kind of like weird almost barrier around this topic Mm -hmm. because of how it ravages people. What are some of your favorite things about the fact that you're now clean for over two years? Waking up without a hangover is the best thing. That's really like 90% of it now. Waking up and not feeling like I want to crush my own skull. I'm stopping and smelling the roses. I feel like everything was just, I mean, because it was, everything was a blur. I don't, I didn't remember so many things, but also at the same time, I was doing a lot of the same stuff every day. It was a creature habit. This time I might have a beer, beer here with studio, beer with lunch, da, 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 casual. Oh no, I've only had a beer here. Well, at the end of the day, you've had 12 beers and then you go out to the show, you get a couple shots, you know what I'm saying? So it's like. I, I like waking up early. I remember telling people that I would never stop drinking or partying. Like, I'm, I'm going to party forever. And I I love waking up early. I love having the whole day. My body feels amazing. You know, my skin cleared up. All the good things that I was missing out on while I was poisoning myself, it took a toll on me. Like, I, I've talked to people that are like, damn, JT, like, I remember seeing you when you were, like, 23 and you looked rough. And you look better now at 32 than you did at 23 because you were deep into your drugs and whatever the hell else you were doing. So it's like, yeah, I I just love life now because before I didn't. And that's why I was doing everything that I was doing because I didn't want to deal with it. But now I I want all of life. I want to head on as much of it as possible, the good, the bad, the weird, everything, because I know that in the long run it's just going to create – memories and stories and I'll be able to get through it if I could get through that I could get through anything you know in my mind you know I a thing I always say is you know you survived 100% of the terrible things you've been through every single one of us everyone that's living I I say it it shows all the time like guys don't forget you have survived 100% of the worst things that have happened to you and I've had this whole notion lately of like feelings we all have them they just come to us differently. You know death. You know happiness. You know We all know all that stuff. But for you, it might be doing a podcast. For me, it's doing music. For so-and-so, it's drinking. For what You know what I mean? But we all have those things that we love, like that we feel. And I feel like once we all realize that we all have those emotions at the core of us, I feel like we will understand each other better because it's like, oh, you're just upset because that's your thing or I'm upset because you know what I mean? So it's like, and the best thing that we can do is try to open up about these kinds of things. It's never, because we're be all easy. going through it. My thing that I always say when, in most of the writing that I do or whatever I'm doing with who knows 
as I say, it's not easy, but it's worth it's it. It's totally worth like, it. Like even if it doesn't feel but like everything it's hard worth is it. worth it. Yeah. The, the easy stuff you're like, oh, well, that was cool. No, that'll happen again. But the hard when yeah. you put in the hard work, you know how much time it takes to do what you do. People don't see all that. They see the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. All those cheesy like niche sayings or whatever. I love saying them because they stood the test of time. If you had one piece of advice to give to anyone out there who might be listening, who is not only maybe struggling with their own addiction, but maybe also the people that have people struggling around them, what is advice that you could give to the struggling and those that are trying to support for the struggling i feel like don't be afraid to ask for help another thing my dad used to say is i tell you one thing me son one hand don't clap and that's something that i've been leaning on lately because i didn't realize how many beautiful people i had in my corner and they were there the whole time i just never turned around and be like hey i need help you know what i mean and so don't don't be afraid to ask for help. And there's good pain and bad pain. And so, for instance, I had a tooth recently that I needed to get taken out. And it hurt forever for the longest time. And I dealt with the terrible pain all the... Ugh, and I got it taken out. And had I just gotten it taken out forever ago, I would have dealt with a little bit of good pain and not dealt with any bad pain. And so it's like... There, this is a transition. You're going to be a completely different person on the other side. You will, because if you're going through an addiction, that that's not you. That's the addiction. So you just got to know that like, it's going to be a little uncomfortable and that's okay. It's going to hurt, but the bone's going to grow back stronger. And yeah, so it's like be uh, being okay with knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable. And then as far as for people that have someone in their lives, don't be afraid to ask if you can help. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I feel like if someone would have been like, hey, JT, are you okay? I would have been done with that long ago. But no one did that. And it's not anyone's fault. Right. You know, I'm, I don't want any of my friends that listen, you know, think that I fault them. I'm, I, I made the decisions that I made that put me in the position that I was in. And everybody else is also going through their own and stuff. And we're all going through yeah. and that the feelings. Mm -hmm. We're all going through our feelings. I'm sad now because I'm doing too many drugs. You're sad now because the Knicks lost. Whatever. Yeah, just don't be afraid to... If you love them, it's you know, it's like a parent. A parent will scold you. They don't want to scold you, but they're doing it because they love you. And if someone's just going through it, just lend your hand out. Just be, hey, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Because that could be the light that they've been searching for. JT, I'm so thankful that you are here and that we're friends. I'm beyond thankful it for is, this. This feels so good. This to has been talk such a this. good conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I hope other people have too. And you're going to be back on the show yeah, because I can't we have wait. a lot. Oh, we, we literally could have done like three different episodes so today. So much to unpack. Yeah. Yay. And now we can. We can be together. Yes. I'm excited for it. Yay. Wasn't it crazy to hear two people in a room talking together on a podcast? 
I mean, you probably have listened to other podcasts where they're talking in the room together already, but that's the first time I've done it this whole season, and it was awesome. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, I hope that you loved this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be some insight into the life of someone who has been through addiction and is now truly enjoying their sober life, or maybe you have found the courage to talk to someone who might need someone to be there for them, to ask, how are you doing? It seems like a simple thing, right? But it's so powerful, and I think it needs to be happening a lot more often. And of course, as I always say, we encourage you to have conversations like these with people in your life. The more conversations like these we have, the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love. And don't let anyone try to convince you that you shouldn't talk about your feelings. They are valid and they're important and they could save somebody. And sharing your feelings might help another person have the courage to share theirs. It's really important. I love this talk with JT so much. He shares so much in so many ways in this episode and beyond. Like, what you got in this episode is who you would meet if you meet him in person. And it just gives me so much hope to know that there are others out there willing to have these tough conversations for the good of humanity and are just like verbally and literally just embracing the tough stuff so that we can move through it in a way that feels supportive and progressive and good. There is so much good in this conversation and there are more people who see emotion as a powerful and good thing to have, which is great. JT, you give me hope. You are amazing. And thank you so much for this fantastic conversation and for just being you. The end is now. The end is here. And if you want to stay up to date with episode releases or see cute pictures of cats, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Who Knows Pod. We're also on Facebook at Who Knows. You can visit our website at WhoKnowsPod.com. And if you want to send us any questions or comments or just say hi, email us at Taylor at WhoKnowsPod.com. We feature pets and plants on our Instagram story every day. We release a new episode. So if you want to send us a picture of your pet or plant child, send it on over and we will feature them any way you want to get it to us is fantastic we will show it to everyone and we'll say how cute you're so cute awesomeness <laughs> and if you'd like to show your support for the show there are so many ways to do it leave us a review on apple Podcasts. join our patreon donate to us on coffee all of it helps us grow and i'm so grateful for any amount of help that has been given to the show that kind of rhymed um but yeah here are the ways to do it those are them go and do it uh it would really mean a lot to me and i'll give you a shout out on the show any way you help you get a shout out you get a shout out you get a shout out shout out for everyone all right vacation is over i am back i need a nap <laughs> but i'm so glad to be back and to have this place to come back to I think about the days when I used to hate coming back from vacation and I'm glad that those days are over and that I'm here loving my life, being with all of you. And thank you all for being here and for being my love and my happiness and the place I get to come home to. And as always, who knows who's out there, but I love you and thanks for listening. This episode was hosted by me, Taylor Dankovich, edited by Kirsten Bowman. Our music is written and performed by the Isaac Kailoff Project. Songs about rainbows. Miranda Singh sings Rainbow Connection.